0: All right, Buzz Nation, I'm excited for this one. Nostradamus, a famous predictor in history. Co host Slavo, did you know of him before this research? Any ideas about Nostradamus?
1: The only thing I would say that I knew about Nostradamus was that he was a predictor of things. I almost, if you had asked me if he was a real person or a fictional person, <laughs> I might have said,
0: Fictional. I would agree. Nostradamus kind of has this legend, mystical aroma around him. Mm. Um, and, you know, predictor, maybe even prophet is a better term. Mm. I had seen several, probably like History Channel documentaries about him. And there's always this l- guy with a long gray beard sitting over his basin where he meditates and sees the future visions come to him you know you know what that reminds me of in so I've, many
1: ways harry potter <laughs> albus dumbledore is yes. what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> old man he sits around a cauldron he sees the future which is something that dumbledore does or he sees people's past and stuff like that
0: i mean yeah i mean dumbledore had this I believe the name was Pensive, and you could go into the past and like you would have these visions of what happened. Um, I, obviously, the long beard—I certainly see the parallels. Wizard-looking fellow, no doubt. But so we're going to step through his life chronologically in classic Buzzin biographies fashion. But I am gonna—I have a segment first I want to wow. do. Yep. So if you're just here for the SparkNotes version for your book report and you just want to hear about the outline, maybe skip ahead a few minutes. But this segment is about natural disasters. And Nostradamus, he made a lot of predictions. Sometimes they involved natural disasters like the fire of London. I think nowadays, one of humanity's best predictors is science and the experts and their predictions with weather. So I'm going to go through each natural disaster, and I want, Slavo, for you to tell me how well you think human experts, the scientists, can predict these natural disasters.
1: Okay, I'm ready.
0: Hurricanes.
1: How good are we at predicting hurricanes? Mm-hmm. I'd say better than other stuff, I think they seasonally, they can predict whether or not there's going to be a lot of hurricanes in a season based on the, the weather patterns.
0: Yeah, I would say that is correct. Uh, humans pretty good at predicting hurricanes. They can predict the path of where the hurricane is going to go. They can usually predict the intensity. It's all pretty accurate and usually with enough time that people can evacuate. So I do think hurricanes, as you said, is one of the weather phenomenon that humans are pretty good at predicting. All right. The next one, earthquakes, earthquakes. Um,
1: so I think generally predicting when they're going to happen. We don't know. I know in LA, they're like this earthquake, this mega earthquake, which is going to, um, which LA, san francisco seattle they're all just going to fall off into the abyss (laughs) they think it's going to happen anywhere between like 50 years from now to a million years from now or something (laughs) like that (laughs) so i don't know how precise they are but i will say that once the signs of the earthquake are about to happen they're we're pretty good at detecting the early signals but just general prediction i don't think we're very good
0: yeah and it's interesting you mention of course california with the earthquakes because in addition to this huge, massive one where like it might separate the continent, um, California is also known for every X amount of years, maybe it's 20, maybe it's 40, where they have this massive earthquake. And the last one, a bridge collapsed. It was wild. And they're overdue for the next one. Like when I had spent a little bit of time out there, people in San Francisco were like, any day now, <laughs>
1: Like I feel like you're nervous about it at first, but then you eventually you're just like, Yeah, it's probably not gonna happen.
0: Yeah. And when it does, it's like seven seconds.
1: F- fun fact, uh G Dizzle and I, when we were talking about moving to Seattle, we one major point of contention that G Dizzle had with Seattle was basically her saying, Well, I don't want to move to Seattle and then buy property and then all of a sudden an earthquake comes and just we fall into the Pacific Ocean and die. (laughs) That was like an actual thing that she was concerned about.
0: Hey, fair enough. When you're buying property, you have to consider the next 30 years and what's going to happen. Fair enough.
1: I mean, the dead tell no tales. It would be pretty epic to go out in an earthquake.
0: Not the worst way to go
1: out. I would want to be a fall death. I wouldn't want to be hit by like a moving car or something like a car comes tumbling down a hill and smashes me. Uh, that doesn't yeah, sound fun no. at all.
0: No. All right. So the official response from the United States geological survey when asked if humans can predict earthquakes, this is directly from the USGS website. No. No. Neither the USGS nor any other scientists have ever predicted a major earthquake. We do not know how, and we do not expect to know how anytime in the foreseeable future.
1: Good to know. So basically we, we could get one of those squid, you know, the squid that they pick one side or the other. Yeah, We could get one of those and they'd be about as good at predicting the earthquake as we are.
0: Exactly. How about our ability as a species to predict volcanoes i've been waiting for this one we can't predict volcanoes for shit
1: you think the people at vesuvius or whatever could predict what was going to happen they were all or at pompeii you've seen the videos where well they're recreations but people were just chilling they were at the market and all of a sudden they're dead boom you're dead volcanoes take you out fast mount st helens fast they move the lava moves at like a thousand miles an hour or some crazy stat like that
0: it's crazy no nobody knows yeah all right so volcanoes actually we are pretty good if they can install the right instruments and they are continuously monitored uh scientists can predict volcanoes also if they have the history of the volcanoes and you brought up mount helens which erupted in the 1980s i believe Mm-hmm. And, and they did predict that and an estimated 20,000 lives were saved. But really? pre- yeah, but previously before this technology, like you're saying, the lava just rushes through civilization and like you can see people like they're almost like frozen and like you can just see their bodies like just being hit by the lava. And then now they're just like there for years.
1: Yeah, before
0: that it was like, "Ooh, look at the <laughs> Yes, exactly. Also, I didn't know this, but volcanologist, that's a career. That's if there's any young listeners out there and you're looking for a sexy career, I don't know, volcanologist sounds pretty appealing to me.
1: There was a time that I wanted to be a volcanologist. I actually did a research project when I was in middle school on Krakatoa. Because I had read that it was the most powerful Earth uh, volcano ever to erupt. Wow. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go for the flashy ones like Pompeii <laughs> because it took out of town. But Krakatoa, some serious business. Man, young Slavo exploring <sighs> his volcanoes. I'm also just going to throw in a note that... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry for glorifying natural disasters because I know they hurt people and that's not good, but they are mother nature showing a lot of interesting power. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's like explosions in movies or if you watch a movie like the day after tomorrow, there's something entertaining about just these large natural disasters in a fictional theoretical point of view when no one's actually hurt, but when they actually happen, just devastating and awful to watch. Very, very awful. Mm.
1: That was a good editor's note there. Yeah. Felt like I was having a little too much fun with the, the natural disasters category <laughs> for a second. Just wanted to check myself. Um, do you have any other ones? Because there's one I want to say.
0: Yeah, I, I have one. Okay the last one i have for you how good are humans at predicting killer asteroids
1: really good that's my prediction that we i think we could spot them when they're going to be coming close you know what i mean mhm
0: so i would say decent room for improvement so in 2005 congress in the usa they mandated that NASA find and track 90% of all near-Earth objects that are 140 meters or larger, so pretty large, large enough that it would obliterate a city. Um, to date, NASA has spotted 40% of those objects. So they're not, they're not at that 90% threshold. I do imagine they're better at the larger ones, the ones that could really damage maybe all of humanity. Mm. Um, but, you know, they're working on it. It's on their radar. And the interesting thing, though, is they have found that they need, they need to be able to predict the meteor is coming in five years or more because it takes that amount of time to set up the infrastructure to either destroy the asteroid and send explosives out there or use a laser or something to deflect it. But they need five years to construct the technology to handle an asteroid of that size. Is this the plot of Armageddon? Isn't that the plot of
1: Armageddon? They flew out to a meteor and then set off nukes and it deflected the path.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this is a, you know, I don't think it's particularly likely in any given year, but I do think this is something that's very much on the government's radar and they have prototypes, they have experiments, they're prepared in some sense Imagine if you spent your entire life studying lasers,
1: and then all of a sudden you were commissioned by the CIA and all of the military to then come in and build a super laser that if we needed to, you could blow a meteor or an asteroid out of the sky. How cool would that be? Like a mega laser. We'd shoot at the aliens, right? very stressful
0: yeah i mean i think this is kind of star wars and the death star we
1: could also (laughs) we could fly a giant mirror up into the atmosphere and then we could fire it and then have it bounce off the mirror and then come back
0: down and hit our enemies or a series of mirrors any any great technology is very quickly weaponized (laughs) to fight the enemy um But also, this makes me wonder, so what if they detect a meteor, but it's one year away from hitting Earth and destroying the world as we know it? What do you do? So you can't do anything? Do you tell people and it's just a year of anarchy?
1: No, you don't tell them. Just one day, everybody dies. (sighs) Are you kidding me? If there's one thing I know about government in general, I don't want to put my my tinfoil (laughs) hat on here, but… They would never tell us. Oh, no, would, and then we, we would get some sort of fun information. They'd be like, ooh, we're we're just gonna give people money. They would find some way to make it fun or something like that for that year, and then we'd all just die.
0: <laughs> it's not a bad move. Just I'd prefer it massive, that massive. Yeah. Oh, I would just massive stimulus payments and just free money to everyone. Live it up. It could be argued that the United States is already on this
1: plan. <laughs> like, how much debt is our country in? We're never gonna get out
0: of debt. Maybe we do know that the world is gonna end. I know it begs the question, what do they know? But I also think if you did have a meteor on path to hit the world, I think so many organizations, whether it's research, you know, academic universities, nonprofits various governments, I think so many people would be able to detect the meteor that like, it's not just, it's not just the U S government that knows and has to keep it quiet. So I do think it would get out and who the hell knows what would happen if everyone just thought the world was ending in a year.
1: There's contingency plans for this kind of stuff. There's people that right now are saying saying that the government is hiding aliens and th- what happens to those people?
0: Yeah. But so, let's say the aliens crashed at Roswell, there's only a set amount of people who can actually confirm that happened. But a meteor, anyone in the world with the right technology and telescopes can look up and see it. Not if you kill them. (laughs) With the CIA. (laughs) Crazy world. So this is the expertise of humans and science to predict these natural disasters. And really, all you need is a guy like Nostradamus who can just see the future and he can tell you what's going to happen. He can tell you what's going to happen
1: because he's a prophesizer, prophesizes, and he makes predictions for the future. So what if he makes like a thousand predictions and basically anything that happens can then be explained by (laughs) anything that he said?
0: Well, we will get into it. So Nostradamus, as we know him, he was born in 1503 in France as, I'm going to try to pronounce this,
2: Michel de Nostradame.
1: That was pretty spot on. That was, <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more
0: with how you pronounce that. Thank you. And his family, before him, they were Jewish and then forced to convert to christianity but i mentioned i but i mentioned they were jewish because some advocates or people who really believe in nostradamus like to point to his grandfather's jewish past and that maybe he taught nostradamus the kabbalah this jewish mysticism practice there's even a written text from Nostradamus to a friend where Nostradamus says he has several volumes which were hidden for long centuries and they have manifested themselves to Nostradamus. And presumably this Kabbalah Jewish mysticism has these ancient texts like Zohar that, you know, aren't really tracked or kind of hidden and mystical.
1: Mm. Interesting. Does, does that, part right there remind you of l ron hubbard at all
0: i would say a lot of this reminds me of l ron hubbard but yeah that part particularly like he has his ancient texts or even as well um mormons Mm. they found some ancient text
1: yep i agree with that oh we should do brigham young or uh john smith at some point just FYI.
0: oh absolutely All right. So then he gets older and goes to study at university where he is on the path. He wants to become a physician, a doctor. But while at university, they are forced to leave for over a year because of an outbreak because of an outbreak of the plague, the bubonic plague.
1: Yep which did you know that the bubonic plague is, it's like influenza. It's like a type of virus.
0: I knew it was a virus. I did not know it was closely associated with the flu. It's not,
1: well, I I say it's like, it's Mm -hmm. similar to influenza in that there's different types of flu viruses and there's different types of bubonic plagues. Like the bubonic plague is just a, it's an overarching categorization of viruses that have happened over history
0: okay that that makes sense because in this story the bubonic plague comes back in later like 30 years later the so the bubonic plague happened it happened then
1: it happened in the 18th century the black death which was like a huge plague that knocked out over 100 million people in europe that happened in the 14th century that was bubonic plague, so and that's 200 years before. So it's it's something that sprouted up um, at different times over history.
0: Yeah, and a pretty gnarly disease. And when you see pictures and people have these black almost welts or contusions, it's um, pretty do you know gruesome. What this, do you know what that
1: is? I it's, do not. Um, swollen lymph nodes. Oh, so wow the, it's a lymph node it, uh, disease. So it just like gets in your lymph nodes and makes them swell up. Not yeah. good. Yeah, Oof. not good.
0: The gross. It, it's yeah, it's very gross looking. Yeah, they swell up, turn black. Oof. So Nostradamus, he starts roaming the countryside and he is learning about herbs to eventually become an apothecary. Which is basically just a pharmacist in those times, but I, I think it's important to note he is a big drug guy. Big drug guy. Got to mm-hmm. got to appreciate that. Yep. And who knows? Maybe he's trying some drugs. <laughs> yeah. But, and I think on one hand you might look at his future and be like, with all these drugs, he went a little cuckoo, and that's where he comes up with these crazy ideas, or. On the other hand, you believe he is researching these drugs to get to another realm where he can see the future. Either way, let it be known, big drug guy. He's basically Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's where we're concluding.
1: Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> he's, like the, he's like the medieval version of Joe Rogan, who's like, have you ever tried DMT? and then <laughs> proceeds to predict 1,000 things.
0: Pretty accurate. But eventually he does become doctor and has to practice during the outbreak of another plague. So he has this rose pill, which he gives to patients, has a lot of vitamin C, and modern-day doctors say this would be somewhat effective as a treatment. He also urges people to... Uh, remove the dead bodies away from the street to prevent the spread of the disease. And a common practice at the time was to bleed people and remove their blood in an attempt to get out the bad blood. And he did not practice this. So Nostradamus, a little bit ahead of his time where he seems to be a good doctor. The other people are looking
1: at him and they'd be like, remove the bodies from the street? What kind of juvenile are you thinking that we should remove the bodies from the street it seems like something so obvious
0: now yeah however he is married he has two kids and they both die from the plague and i think this hurt him personally and also hurt his reputation where the town folk are like hey maybe he's not the best doctor if He could not save his family.
1: That's Um, such an insult to injury situation where they're like, not only did your wife and two children die of the plague, but also we're going to hold it against you because you're a plague doctor.
0: Yeah, it is a rough situation. And he moves on and kind of becomes a traveling doctor And during this time, he always had an interest, but he starts really practicing and meditating and he will spend hours in his study at night, meditating in front of a bowl, a basin filled with water and herbs. I don't know what type of herbs I did my best to find out what he was putting in this basin where he would then look into this basin and have very visual imagery, which he believed was the future
1: any guesses on the herbs
0: I mean you have to assume it has some hallucinogenic properties maybe some mushroom maybe the back of a toad some DMT
1: well you know what you need to see the future maybe you need to utilize time
0: time's an important component
1: like the like the herb time <laughs>
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> you just come up with that one? I did. <laughs> Slavo is on his A game. I'm on my A game today. Um, and so he is developing this expertise in predicting the future or whatever he's doing on those hot, steamy sauna nights in front of a bull. I, I assumed it was like hot and steamy. I don't know. I assumed he was wearing a robe. Would you
1: ever go to the desert and do peyote?
0: Um, I'm interested. I'm definitely not going to say no. I would need to believe it's safe. I would need to believe I would not have a freak out. Mm. But I am very intrigued by the idea of a lot of new experiences. And especially something that I feel like is kind of cultural and interesting and introspective. Reflective. I'm interested. What about you?
1: I don't know. I'm. I think the risk of freak out would be pretty high. I think they would be like, mm, "You might freak out." Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I've had enough freakouts in my life. Yeah. I don't know if I want to freak out anymore. I do think, with your past of freakouts, we don't want to. We don't want to pull the final straw. <laughs> Um,
2: Jesus.
1: (laughs) I think we should leave that in just so everybody can know that that was just like, we don't want to pull the final straw.
0: What do you mean? Do you think I'm hanging on a thread? (laughs) No, no. I, I mean, like, um, that one time it was pretty scary for you. I think you may have come out of it a better person but it was very scary during it for you. Mm. And so I think, but now we're going to peyote, which is, I assume, very extreme. Mm. I, just, I don't want you to have an unpleasant experience and it just be brutal. You're out in the desert, like, who
1: knows? I mean, you're coming from a place of love, so I, I appreciate what you
0: say. Yeah, and I, I, I like, I almost look at it and for myself as well, let's say you're going to go through this experience and it could help you spiritually, mentally, or it could really harm you spiritually or mentally. Like, Is it worth the risk?
1: Mm, yeah, that that's true. And I'm feeling pretty spiritually and mentally good right now. So I don't know if I need it at this time. I think if I was searching for something, I might be more inclined, Mm, but I I don't think I'm really searching for anything right now.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Um, And also, I do feel like a lot of people are searching for something. I don't think it always comes in one particular moment. You know, I think it's like sometimes you got to wrestle with an idea over time. That's a good point.
1: I agree. But yeah, I mean,
0: it's definitely uh,
1: possible that Nostradamus went down a hallucinogenic hallucinogenic path and then combine that with his spiritual past and then combine that with uh, a lot of anguish personally that he went through Mm. and professional hardship as well, where he was shut down a number of times. Um, I do think it's possible that that creates the foundation for somebody to do something that we've seen before, which is where somebody embraces this omnipotent ideal and starts making grandiose claims.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Where they really have to believe in themselves and believe that they do have visions coming into them or They knowingly know they're making it up i think i kind of lean to the former where you know whether drugs are involved deep meditation um very rough times and like this mysticism Mm -hmm. and they just kind of they believe they are seeing visions and maybe they are and for nostradamus how their predictions would work because he is starting to turn it into maybe a business or a service. A customer would come to his house, you know, maybe recommended from someone else saying, Nostradamus, he predicted great Aunt Sally passing. And they come to his house. The customer will give Nostradamus personal information. There'll be a little bit of a conversation, date of birth, and then they leave. Nostradamus returns to his study. He does astrology calculations, which anytime you hear someone's predicting the future, you're going to figure that astronomy is involved. Definitely. In addition to the astronomy, he looks into his basin and meditates. And the output is he will write a few pages of predictions on a scroll He seals it, signs it, and delivers it to the person. And that is Nostradamus beginning to become well-known for his predictions.
1: Which is pretty cool. I like the way that he wrote, too. He would write in lines of four, like little poems.
0: Yeah. Lines of four, very poetic. I mean, he Uh,
1: predicted a lot of bad things.
0: Yeah. we talk about that?
1: He he had the tendency to predict bad things.
0: Yeah. He's... He's a doomsdayer. He is mm. the person on the street screaming about the end of the world. Yep. He is the modern day news where they only report catastrophes. Mm-hmm. But so he is improving his abilities to predict and write things down that engage people. And he starts writing an almanac. They predict the weather and what's going to happen in the seasons, but also there's some astronomy and predictions beyond just the weather and it gains popularity. And eventually Nostradamus publishes a book where all the predictions he has referenced come from. This book is called the prophecies. (laughs) And as Slavo mentioned, he writes in quatrains, so he writes four lines very very poetic and the four lines pertain to one prediction then he'll write another four lines and that's another prediction.
1: Yeah, very cool method of writing in my opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. Imagine if somebody it's he was basically like original Twitter. <laughs> like he would he would just tweet repeatedly on the same page
0: yeah these prophecies and they they really hit slavo do you believe nostradamus is predicting the future or has visions of the future no we and
1: we can we can discuss it later. We can discuss it now. But the fact of the matter is, we've seen these people over and over. Like half the people we review end up being people that just end up making up a bunch of shit, and then some people believe it, and then they gain fame, and then it's done. And then it's like, all right, they're in the re- they're in the history books. That's your reference to L. Ron Hubbard, Jim yeah. Jones, Jim Jones, like all sorts of people that just like make outrageous claims. They then gain fame and power. They then exploit it to the point that they
0: die. Yeah, absolutely. So the prophecies, this is where all their predictions come from. And allegedly, it seems like there's a lot of gray area around this, but there is this one prediction about King Henry that really blew up his fame because it's a pretty accurate prediction. I don't think people are certain this was actually predicted before it happened, but let me pull it up. So Nostradamus predicts.
2: The young lion will overcome the older one. On the field of combat in a single battle, he will pierce his eyes through a golden cage. Two wounds made one. Then he dies a cruel death.
0: So that is Nostradamus's prediction. And what happens is King Henry, the older lion, jousts. So on the field of battle with a younger person, a younger lion who kills him by jousting through headgear that that King Henry is wearing. It goes through his eyes and another spot. And so you get your two wounds. It becomes one. He dies a cruel death as Nostradamus predicts that takes him 10 days. So if this is all real, a pretty accurate prediction. And on top of that, again, this is all hearsay. Mm -hmm. People said he told King Henry to not joust because he had these visions and because of all this, it gained some popularity at the time. And the wife of King Henry who would become queen Elizabeth was a great admirer and even hired him to um, help her out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how
1: much for the people who think that he made the prediction first How much time was in between the prediction and when it happened? Do we know?
0: Okay, so the quatrains were released in the early 50s. Let's see when King Henry, let's see when he died. It was four years after he released the prophecies that King Henry died. And this one seems pretty spot on. Of all the predictions, but I do think there's a lot of, it seems to be a lot of skepticism around whether this was an actual prediction of Nostradamus's. Okay. So it's pretty spot on. I'll give them that. This one's pretty good. Yeah. Like field of battle and a joust. Mm-hmm. I'll give it to you. Yeah piercing his eyes through a golden cage i mean that's pretty spot on but again a field of battle a sword going through someone's armor like this is stuff that's just gonna happen in a young person versus an older person it does seem like something you could just predict and eventually it is going to happen
1: yeah you know if king henry likes to joust then if you just put that prediction out there and then start telling him don't joust I don't, I don't know what the percentage of jousters that end up dying, but maybe he was just playing the odds.
0: Yeah. And eventually it's going to work out. If not King Henry, someone eventually is going to at least fit this prophecy. Yep, yeah. It could have been just a knight.
1: You know what I mean? The lion, the old lion. It could have been a knight that it happened with. It just happened to be a king. And then that catapulted him into fame. Yeah.
0: And I do think, He kind of knew how to schmooze and work with the right people because apparently the Catholic church liked him, the royalty liked him, and he is someone who is gaining power. So kind of the royalty might be a little skeptical of that. He is practicing this kind of spiritual mysticism, which could rub the Catholic church the wrong way. So I do think, I think he knew how to schmooze. (laughs) Yeah, he was kind of, he was slithering through the cracks of society somewhat
1: yeah like he was uh kind of a renaissance man in the sense that he was he was doing a lot of things that maybe weren't considered uh mainstream but he was gaining mainstream notoriety Mm -hmm. so this is true again okay so do you want to uh do you have more predictions that you want to go through
0: we can go through two more of his prophecies his predictions that people believe come true but first were you thinking something else
1: well, I, I was going to get into whether or not we believe that he actually prophesizes this stuff.
0: Okay, yeah. And has no. the
1: sutra- supernatural powers.
0: Yeah, let's get through the predictions, and then we absolutely should. Yeah, but before we- that, do we want to try a segment with like good predictions, bad predictions? Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: I'm down. I have a list of people that I think are bad at predicting things. Okay, so... Nostradamus was known as maybe, sometimes a great and sometimes maybe a not so great predictor of future events. So we are going to look at some people that we think would classify themselves as not so great predictors. We're gonna we're gonna go back and forth, and we're gonna we're gonna pick out people that we see in society or history that we think have been bad predictors of the future. So Paz, I'm gonna let you go first. With your first pick in the bad predictor draft, I feel like there's a clear-cut number one draft choice, and I want to see if you take
0: it. What do you got? That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> see, I really laid it on thick there. Um, so someone who, or a group of people who really swung in a miss were the 2012 doomsdayers. Mm. A lot of them pointed to the Mayan calendar, but a good portion of the population Spent a lot of money in doomsday prep for 2012. The day came and went, and we are all here.
1: Am uh, am I allowed? Am I allowed to also do Y2K people, <laughs> or should we just lump that in <laughs> with them? I let's, think we can lump we can yeah. lump that in. So you can you can have Y2K people who I enjoy as a bad predictor. Um, so that's that's a good two for one there. You get the the Mayan calendar, Doomsday, and then you get the the Y two K. Okay. Um, so you did not pick what I was thinking you were going to pick, hmm. <clears throat> which is why I'm going to take weathermen. Weathermen don't predict anything correctly. That's a fact. This, I don't even listen to weathermen.
0: This is false. The weathermen, and they have done studies on this, are incredibly accurate. And it's just because when they say there's a 40% chance of rain, four out of 10 days, it rains. But I think us humans, we interpret that as, oh, it's not going to rain today. And then it rains. I think the weathermen are very accurate.
1: Yeah, but accuracy is not saying there's a 40% chance that it rains. Accuracy is telling me
0: whether or not it's going to rain. It's a good point. It's a good point. A lot of people are screwed when they don't pack their rain jacket because of what the weatherman said. Like, when did we decide
1: that it was just going to be acceptable to give me a percentage chance of whether or not things happen? You're predicting the future. Tell me whether or not it's going to rain. It's a good point. It's literally being a weatherman is like the biggest cop out ever. I'm just saying there. And I'm not saying that there are Bad predictors because they're not smart or something like that. It's just impossible to predict the weather. But at the end of the day, you go on TV to predict the weather and you don't do it correctly. So, yeah, that's my take.
0: It's fair. It's fair. All right. Just like the weathermen, in a similar vein, sports analysts, you get these talking figureheads. They just say extreme stuff, they're very loud apparently entertaining and then they never go back on their predictions and it's like, Oh, are they accurate? Are they not? No, they're just talking figureheads who speak so confidently and so wrong. And there's just, there's no feedback.
1: I agree with that. And I also want to note that they easily could just go back on their predictions. Like nobody would care if they went back on the prediction but the fact that they double down on the prediction then makes them like more notable.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they want to double down so they get the publicity. It's a shame.
1: Um, so in a similar vein, I am going to go with people who predict the stock market. Yes. Stock prices. Let's go. I also had that. <laughs> Hedge fund managers. Anyone. Yeah, I think there's there's good money managers, and those are people that just like take a step back and know that you can't predict the market, and act like act accordingly. And people who do like day to day try to predict the market, um, don't know what they're talking about for the most part.
0: One hundred percent. Also on my list, and Warren Buffett famously had the challenge where he challenged hedge fund people to beat the S&P 500, this basic economy benchmark of the 500 largest U.S. Uh, corporations. And including fees, none of these hedge funds beat the most basic index fund. And these are people who are working 70 hours a week. They come from some of the best academic institutions and they can't be this basic index fund. Why does anyone think they can?
1: Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but people, but people go on TV saying they could predict like what st- individual stocks are going to do. And it's just, it just doesn't make sense. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right. So this one, this is an interesting one. It's a guy with bad predictions, but a good scheme. And I don't even know if this is true. This is like an office legend, you know, something you hear around the water cooler. But there was this person who he would send out an email email to maybe 10,000 people. And for half of them, he would say, This stock would go up. Like he would say, The Apple stock is going to go up tomorrow. To the other half, he would say, The Apple stock is going to go down tomorrow when they release their earnings. And. One of them's right. So then, for the five, you know, for the half of people who it was right, he'll send them another email. And to half of them, he would say, for the Dell earnings, it's going to go up. The other half, he would say, for the Dell earnings, it's going to go down. And eventually, after five days of predictions where he is only emailing the people who he that have only seen the right predictions, he'd be like, I'll tell you on the sixth day what's going to happen with the stock, but you need to pay. And then these people are like, hey, he predicted it five days in a row. And they cough up the money. That may be
1: the single smartest thing I've ever heard anybody come up with.
0: (laughs) I'm honestly flabbergasted. (laughs) Who was this? I don't know. This is great. This is just something I heard around the water cooler. I don't know if it's true. That is
1: one of the most genius things I've ever heard in my entire life. Absolutely genius. There, there's a betting strategy in the sports betting world where um, it's kind of a similar vein. but So basically you bet one unit of money, say $10 on a bet. And if you lose it, you lose your $10, right? So then to then get your money back, so that you don't, you don't lose any money. You play the odds and you say, all right, I'm gonna bet 20 now <laughs> and double down to make your money back. And then you say, all right, you lose that. And then you're like, all right, well now I'm gonna bet 40. And then you lose that and you say, now I'm gonna bet 80. And then you just keep doubling it literally until you just keep going until eventually you win your money back. Statistically speaking, eventually you're gonna win, but you might end up literally get getting to like billions of dollars if you don't end up winning along the way.
0: Yeah. I mean, eventually the well might run out, but I mean, we're if we're starting at ten dollars, we are a long way from that. This it's true this plan is genius. <laughs> I I wanna do this. This yeah. is genius.
1: Yeah, basically, I, I, there, I think there's a name for it in the betting world where it's basically like if you lose your first bet, you then double down on your next bet. And then you keep doubling down until then eventually you get back to neutral.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like someone has a problem,
1: but <laughs> it's like a pure degenerate gambler move. <laughs> but, um, but people I'm, do it. Yeah. I'm sold. Um, I've, I, so I have another, uh, person who's a bad predictor is also a sports related one you know um you know when professional athletes like a lot of times like football players or basketball players they get to the nfl or the nba and they're like this one teacher told me i'd never amount to anything yes that teacher is a bad predictor
0: (laughs) <laughs> yes, they every professional athlete has that story about someone said they couldn't do it. It motivated them. Yeah, and look at me now. The people who told them that they couldn't do it are pretty
1: bad predictors because as a general rule, you could probably say that to most people and it wouldn't work. but they told it to LeBron James or <laughs> Dwayne Wade, and then they turned into a superstar athlete so. I'd say that's a pretty bad prediction.
0: Yeah, very bad. And then this person is on national television being like, you done messed up.
1: Yeah. And you're getting called out So, like, Mr. Brady, <laughs> Mr. Brady, back in the sixth grade, you told me I'd never amount to anything. Fuck you.
0: <laughs> All right. So on the note of bad predictions. I will now step through two more predictions of Nostradamus. I will read his quatrain and, you know, you can kind of, as a listener, you can think for yourself if he's the real deal and he's having visions and seeing the future, or if he just kind of uses vague terminology that after the fact gets applied to prominent events. So many people credit Nostradamus for predicting the rise of Hitler. And the main quatrain they point to says
2: this. From the depth of the West of Europe, a young child will be born of poor people. He who by his tongue will seduce a great troop. His fame will increase towards the realm of the East.
0: And so your Nostradamus believers will say Hitler was born in Austria, west of Europe. His family wasn't the most well-off, but a lot of people say he's not really, they weren't really poor. He certainly seduced a great troop with his orating abilities. He would give very passionate speeches that motivated a huge group of people and his fame, you know, you could say it did increase towards the East. And so there seems to be some truth or parallels to what actually happened. And in addition to that, Germany actually used this exact quatrain to influence France and they Put this message out there being like, hey, France, where there's a lot of people who believe and adore Nostradamus, look, he said this is going to happen. Just let it happen. And Hitler in the time embraced this prophecy.
1: Fucking Nazis, dude. Of course, they're so smart. Of course, they would do that. They'd be like, ooh, check this out.
0: It's a smart move. You go to the local populace, get them right where. You know, they're susceptible. They were very
1: talented at propaganda.
0: Very. Okay. And the other, another prediction is a lot of people think Nostradamus foresaw the French Revolution. And the quatrain for this
2: reads. From the enslaved populace, songs, chant, and demands while princes and lords are held captive in prisons. These will in the future by headless idiots be received as divine prayers.
0: And people point to this verse and say, in the French revolution, you have the lower folks, the common folks, they rise up against these princes and lords, Mm -hmm. and they try to captivate them. And the whole headless idiots, The guillotine during the French Revolution, heads were rolling, and some people believe this predicts the French Revolution. Slavo, what is your opinion on these predictions, maybe these two in particular, and overall on Nostradamus and his predictions?
1: I definitely agree that these two predictions in particular are very eerie to listen to when you look at it in the context of what we know happens later in history. With that said, I think that they are very general. And there's probably smaller occasions in history that we could also correlate to the same predictions where it's not necessarily Hitler and the Nazis or it's not necessarily the French Revolution. It could be any sort of uprising or any sort of, a charismatic leader, an orator taking over and going East as opposed to going West, which I mean, Hitler went East and West. So he went both ways. So it's not like the direction really even mattered too, too much with that one. So I think just generally he's just saying stuff. (laughs) He's just throwing (laughs) stuff at the wall and I mean, he he wrote how many quatrains did he write? He had like 932, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a lot. So, I think I don't know. I think he definitely had flair for the dramatic. Mm-hmm. I think he liked to make predictions. I think people like to think of Nostradamus as this prophesizer. And I don't necessarily think he was special in any way when it came to predictions. I think he just, I think if you or I did this, we might even have more correct predictions. If I, (laughs) if I predicted, if I was like, and then there would be a girl and the girl would grow up and then she would lead and take down those to the West Literally, that could happen in the next 100 years.
0: Yeah, I would say that would absolutely happen. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you were saying. His quote-unquote predictions are so vague, and then they're only ever realized after the fact. To be a true prediction, you need to say, hey, before this thing happens, this is going to happen. Then it happens. Then you'd be like, I told you so. You can't just make predictions. Then people years later apply them backwards and just make it fit
1: yeah i agree with that that's a great point you need Um, to be like the y2k people in the in the mayan people they were wrong but at least they (laughs) at least they were gonna check their answers you know what i mean
0: yeah at least they gave a hard prediction um and i also agree like you're saying it is kind of this interesting mystical topic that Draws people in. You have this ancient bearded guy looking over a basin, having visions. So I can understand how it is entertaining and interesting. Um, and then also to play a little bit of devil's advocate, or be like, there is a world where where this is possible. So let's say Nostradamus is having these visions of the future, and a lot of people like to claim that he open he documents that. He is being kind of vague and he is writing this in multiple languages because he thinks he will be persecuted by the Catholic church. If he is actually making predictions and saying he can see the future. And so hear me out, Sleo. I'm shaking so, my head for those obscured. listening. So let's say he is, he has to make it kind of vague and he needs to obscure the fact that these are actual hardcore predictions then i do think there's a world where he has these visions he is writing these prophecies and and maybe these prophecies maybe they can happen or they don't have to but he is having these visions putting it on paper and trying to make it a little bit vague and then, even when people apply them, we don't know that people are interpreting it correctly or applying it correctly. Like maybe he does have these predictions of an uprising, but he's not thinking of the French Revolution. He had these actual visions of a different revolution that he saw in the future, but he had to write it down vaguely so he couldn't actually say these true predictions he saw from the future. Like, if you want to play devil's advocate, I do think there is a world where he actually had visions somehow of the future. And he just didn't have the ability to directly write it down. And then we have people in the future trying to understand it. Uh, But like, come on.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I wholeheartedly disagree. The idea that somebody would have a a vision and see something that's going to happen in the future. And then option A... (laughs) is they just write down what's going to happen or option B is they're worried about this mysterious Catholic over uh, uh, power that's going to come after them for getting things. So right. So they're going to write it in a super vague way that something's going to happen 1400 years later. And then we're going to say that that was it. I, I, I think it's just nonsense. Like uh, the, the, it's exactly what somebody would say when they don't want to say exactly what happens. They, they, this is what people do all the time. They say, I could give you the details, but there's this conspiracy that's stopping me from giving you the details. And I'm so afraid of what's going to happen. If I give you the details, like the real truth tellers, they just tell the truth. They just say what's going to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be no. more impressive if he just said it was going to happen. Instead, he writes these poems, and it's like, okay, this super general poem that you wrote, but you don't want to give any details. But well, I mean, in in the world of prediction telling, we're going to need details. Like we need <laughs> to know what's going to happen. We can't just have you just be giving vague
0: statements. That's that's just where I come from on it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree that it does. Feel like a huge cop out to just be like, Well, I had to make it vague. You know, I had the exact predictions, but I had to make it vague. But also, let's just entertain these thoughts here. What if he is looking into this basin and he sees flashes of stuff in the future? And maybe, you know, maybe everything's not predetermined and maybe it could happen, maybe it doesn't. But let's say he sees a flash of Hitler speaking, and then all of a sudden he sees a flash of nazi overtaking poland and he just he doesn't really know the context so all he can write is some guy from the east is speaking and then he goes he takes over poland they're going towards the the west like there's also maybe there's a world where he just has these little flashes of the future and that's all he can predict. And it's not like he has a specific timeline and can tell you exactly the day Hitler invades Poland, but he's like, he had the vision, maybe. Yeah,
1: I I appreciate you playing devil's advocate to me on this one because it is, I guess it's conceivable that that happens, but it's conceivable in the same way that, I don't know, maybe I'm just jaded because of, the people that we've it seems like this is a prevailing theme with the people that we study that we have a lot of people that just make stuff up throw stuff at the wall and then sometimes they're just charismatic enough and it sticks and this is a situation where like this could be he could just be having dreams everybody who listens to this podcast you could just be having a dream one night and then you wake up and you're just, you then vaguely tell that dream and it's a vision you had. We all have visions when we go to sleep at night, but just because we vaguely describe the vision and then a thousand years later, something relatively similar happens, doesn't make us, it doesn't make us Nostradamus, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> hey, if you have a good enough marketing team and you get the ideas out there, maybe I want to know
1: who his marketing team is because they did a great job. Fantastic job.
0: It's the French, the French words <laughs> marketing. Team. Um, no, I mean, overall, I wholeheartedly agree. And it's I put literally no weight in his predictions at all. And <laughs> personally. But I, I do think, you know, nothing wrong with enjoying it a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's fun because it's been interesting to find out more about Nostradamus because I did think he was a, fifth, uh, uh, like a fake mythical creature type person. Um, but with that said, the more I learned about him, the more I was like, oh, this is like one of those name association things. It's not like he was this great genius. It was just more like he was just kind of a
0: fad yeah he's very much a fad and i agree it has been fun kind of see where this myth these general ideas you had about him like where it came from um shocking he wasn't the real deal
1: (laughs) all right you want to wrap up
0: all right slavo and buzz nation it has been a joy to learn about Nostradamus, go through it, hear your opinions on the future. And at the end of the day, Nostradamus left his mark, probably not so much because he was a good predictor and was very accurate, but because he was charming and entertaining and the myth just blew up. But nonetheless, really enjoyed learning about this figure and how ideas can just blow up.
1: Yeah, he um, kind of an interesting fellow. Glad we took the time to research him. Glad we glad we uh, thought about predictions and the art of making predictions and made some of our own. Do you have one prediction that you want to send us all off with?
0: Hmm. Do you have a prediction?
1: I predict that somebody is going to send us through an email to buzzinbiographies at gmail.com or through a comment when they give us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. They're going to give us a topic that they want us to discuss or they're going to give us a segment that they'd like us to cover. And then we are going to shout them out onto the podcast. One of, one of our lovely listeners.
0: Well, time will tell if Slavo... Does have the ability to see in the future. But until then, you know, we hope you all are doing well and take it easy.
1: Somebody help me. Please don't embarrass me.